Hello and welcome to episode 135 of the NFL Scotland podcast. This is it. We're heading into the Super Bowl. The Chiefs versus the Buccaneers. My name is Cameron Hobbs. Joined this evening to do this as well, Gordon McGuinness of PFF and the NFL Scotland podcast. Good evening, Gordon. How's it going? Good. Good to have you. And absolutely delighted to be joined once again by Scottish Claymore World Bowl winning quarterback himself. Good evening, Jim Ballard. Good evening. Appreciate the opportunity to talk ball with you guys once again. Oh, it's always great to have you here. Um, and actually, I was just, you know, I was just chatting about the Claymores to someone earlier on today as well. 25 years this year since you won the World Bowl. And we're going to do something with that this year. Absolutely. But, you know, who could believe it's been 25 years is the first thing. Yeah, it goes, uh, it goes so fast. And uh, it, you know, I can still feel the uh, the goosebumps of, you know, hoisting the sword after we won at home and, you know, think that that was 1996. It's, it's crazy. A lot of great memories and uh, memories that I'll always remember. And, you know, I'm starting to share some of those now with my son who just turned 10 and, you know, he's really starting to get it and understand it. And uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. I really hope we put something together because I would I'd love to be a part of it, obviously. Yeah, definitely. We've got things in motion there, so it's something certainly certainly to look forward to. But to be fair, we don't need to look that far ahead to have something to look forward to. Super Bowl 55, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers making history for could be multiple reasons. One, of course, is the fact that they're the first team ever to play a Super Bowl in their own stadium. Uh, Tom Brady, of course, going for ring number seven. Uh, and Jim... The- we can kill the conversation probably about greatest of all time when it comes to quarterback. Certainly when it comes to most decorated quarterback, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Do you think that right away there's something special, though, if he can win that Super Bowl with two different franchises? Yeah, there's no question. Not that he has, hasn't already separated himself with six Super Bowl wins. And playing to go to the Super Bowl, he played in the championship game. This was his 14th <laughs> time to play for a super i mean think about that it's you can't even compare him to anybody and if he does go on and win the super bowl with tampa bay a second you know a second team and a second win that gives him seven that gives him more than any team in nfl history not a player a team a franchise i mean and this guy's and he's in his early 40s and he's playing at an extremely high level the fact he didn't get you know and uh you know a pro bowl uh you know, vote or, you know, to, to, to make the Pro Bowl was a joke. I, I think Kyler Murray was a, is a great quarterback, but how do you keep Brady out? When he when he comes down to Tampa Bay, new offense, new head coach, no offseason program whatsoever, you know what he does in the offseason with all those wideouts. And for him to go into Tampa Bay and, and, and take him to the Super Bowl, are you kidding me? I mean, it's it's truly incredible. And he said, you know, I read the other day on Twitter a couple articles. I mean, he's talking about playing until he's past 45 years old. I mean, it's just unbelievable the duration of his career, the fact that he started this many games for this long and played at this high of a level. I mean, I, it's just incredible, you know, for his body to be where it's at and for him to still take that pounding on Sundays is just it's an incredible thing to watch. And we're, we're very fortunate to see to see him play and lace those shoes up every time he steps on the field. And there's been loads of questions. Like, I, I myself, you know, before the season started, my my hot take, and it really wasn't very hot, was I thought that the Bucks would struggle. And I thought they might have ended up on an 8-8, eight and eight, purely because I thought, you know, a quarterback like Brady, who's been where he was for so long, it must be difficult to go and learn under a new head coach, a whole new system, a whole new place. Um, 
it helps because he's got one hell of a roster there, and we'll come on to that uh, in a little bit. But actually, given the fact that there was no preseason, given the fact that it was uh, anything but a normal year, he went in there and very quickly took a hold of that team. Now, even the opening day of the season, they lost to the Saints. And at that point, you could have thought, you know what, maybe at that point they have a wobble. But they didn't. They bounced straight back. Uh, They went on a great run of form, and obviously they lost to the Saints again. But that wasn't going to happen a third time. They went into New Orleans and did what they needed to do. And I think, again, this is what Brady has always done. He's just got it done. He's done what exactly what he's needed to do. And even against the Packers, you know, there was some of the throwing wasn't brilliant. Some of it wasn't pinpoint, but he did what he needed to do. He guided his team. He got absolutely enough points on the board and he could turn to his defense and know that they were going to do enough as well to hold back Rodgers and the Packers enough to, to make sure that they could see that game out. That's that's the X factor in, in, in Sunday's game is is the defensive line for uh, Tampa Bay with JPP. I mean, they were able to to get Rodgers off platform, make him very uncomfortable while only rushing four guys and dropping seven into coverage. So now those windows that you know might be a little bit bigger if you rush more guys with the quarterback have now gotten smaller. And if you can get him off platform, I mean, Pat, Patrick Mahomes can struggle a little bit. He's not a hundred percent healthy. Uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. You could see him hobbling in this last game when he, when, you know, he took off a few times and the fact that the starting left tackle might not play because of COVID. I mean, that that's a big, big thing for the chiefs. When you got that blindside tackle, that might, starting tackle that might be out with a line like Tampa Bay has. And, you know, then you have Nadama can sue and in the middle, you know, demanding a double team from the center and the guard, depending on where he lines up and in the back half of, of, uh, that, that defense is just tremendous. You got the, uh, the Winfield kid, who's is an Akron, Ohio kid, uh, his dad was, uh, playing outstanding as a rookie, coming down from a safety position, quarterbacking that defense. I mean, the job that he's done in his first year in the league has been tremendous. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, Tampa Bay has, has got an outstanding team. They're playing with a ton of confidence. And, and like you said, for Tom to come in with a new system under Arians, and the one, you know, the one thing that everybody – you know, talks about, and it, and it needs to be talked about is look at the job of the position of quarterback, wherever he's been, he's done tremendous wherever he's been being a guru. I mean, he was in Pittsburgh for all those years with, with Ben Roethlisberger. He spent time with Kurt Warner and in and, and Arizona and the things that he did with him re- reviving Kurt's career. Um, and now look what he's doing with Tom. I mean, he, he is a down the field uh, kind of vertical passing uh, coach. And he's taken some of Tom's concepts from the Patriots and the short to intermediate to get the ball out of Tom's hands. And they've just taken, you know, the two playbooks and meshed them together. And they, they've got a really good flow and rhythm right now. They're running the ball extremely well with Jones and, and Fournette. And, you know, then, you, you know, what are you going to do with Gronk? You, you split him out, you know, you, you flex him out and, in, in the, in, you know, five yards from the tackle and you, you force him down the middle and between two safeties and you got a matchup nightmare there. Then you got Mike Evans and, you know, all these guys. So it's going to be a fun matchup. There's a lot of toys in the toy chest for both these teams on offense to play with. And uh, I'm really hoping it's going to be a high scoring, exciting game that way, as opposed to, you know, seeing like a 14 to six defensive controlled game. Which we that's see. The, yeah. Sorry. On that, that's the interesting thing about the Darien's offense as well, is that an awful lot of quarterbacks in year one of that offense have really struggled. Andrew Luck in his first season. Now bear in mind, I think he was a rookie at that point. Um, you know, really struggled in terms of um, throwing throws that uh, should be picked off. Carson Palmer had a terrible first year in there. Jameis Winston, obviously, we know he's capable of throwing some terrible passes in his own right, but really struggled in that first year. So, 30, 30. For, <laughs> so for so many people that, that spent so many years saying that 
Tom Brady is a system quarterback. He's this, he's that, he's the next thing. And he went into an offense that quarterbacks have struggled in, struggled to learn the first year, didn't have all the full offseason to be able to go in and do all those things, and still just had one of the best seasons of his career this year. So I, I think that speaks to just to, to be able to do that, given his age, given the things that have gone against him this year, is just ridiculous. And it just reaffirms his, uh, his candidacy as if not the best, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. No question. You, you know, you, you look at certain teams and, you know, the quarterback play that has gone on for years. And, you know, you talk about, you know, Tom Brady, you know, oh, he's, he's just a system guy. Tom was the system. And by that, they built that offense around him. Now, guys that follow him, they're just products of that system. And they might have to morph it a little bit. They tried to do that with, with Cam Newton this year. And what happened? Tom Brady goes down to Tampa Bay. Arians has his system. Tom can do the things that he did, he did or can do. And what did they do? They, they take the system and they shape it around the quarterback like great coaches do. I had a discussion the other day, you know, talking about uh, great coaches. And um, the first one that comes to mind was my college coach, Coach Larry Karras. 13 national championships, excuse me, 11 national championships, won 93% of his games. When I was there, we didn't take one shotgun snap. We, he wasn't there yet. Then they bring in guys like, uh, Matt Campbell, who's tearing it up at Iowa State. Nick Sirianni coached it at Mount Union, just got the head job at, at Philadelphia. Congrats to, to Nick. Um, they, they took these coaches and they took the system. They got different players and then they, they got a shorter quarterback that could run. So what do they do? They put them in the shotgun and then they run, you know, they run more of the, uh, the, the bubble screens. And then now it's evolved into all the RPO stuff. And I would have loved to run RPOs. I mean, all you got to do is read the overhang player and you got a bubble or a spot <laughs> route. I mean, come on, those are layups. <laughs> But um, great coaches can take the system and not force the system down the player's throat, but evolve the system around the players that they have. We've heard a lot this year from Arians as well about how Brady's got quite heavily involved in the coaching himself and some of the decision-making and things like that. Now, there's always been questions about how involved he was with Belichick and what have you. How significant do you think that's been in his transition into this offense Jim and did you ever get the chance to call your own plays when you were playing or was it always by the coach's book it, it depends on you know where I was at but there's um there's some systems that you know they get like when I played up in Canada and Toronto I mean I called all my, all my own plays you know I might get some suggestions from, from the head coach or the, the the offensive coordinator when I went to the sideline and put the headset on but um for the most part you know a lot of it was was coach called um this is what I can tell you for sure about Brady. I have some friends that coach at, at, at New England. Tom Brady was very, very involved in the game plan each and every week. Tom would have the, the game plan for the following week done by, the game, by that Sunday. So when they went in on Monday morning, he already had the game plan for the next week. That's how involved and how hard this guy works, the things that you don't see um, that he's doing behind the scenes, how truly the amount of time that he – puts in with, with, with the offensive coordinator. I mean, he's the first guy there, you know, Tom's there at four or five o'clock in the morning, you know, he's already got his, his the film going. He's got his notes out. I mean, he's, he's looking at situation football, you know, what are we going to do when we're in the red zone and it's third and six? Well, I, I like this and this, and, and that, and that's when, and I talked to my quarterbacks about this, you know, that I train a coach might like to call certain play, a certain play in a certain situation. He might think that's the greatest play ever, but if I don't feel comfortable with the play as a quarterback, if I don't really 
truly understand the concept or have the light bulb on like the coach has, I'm not comfortable with that play. So what do you do? You put down the plays that you like. So he, the offense has a better chance to succeed because the quarterback's more comfortable with the plays that are being called because he understands the concepts. He understands the timing. It might be one step instead of three. I mean, all those little things go into it. And the more that you can communicate as a quarterback with your coaching staff, the better off you're going to be. How do you th- much do you think Arians is enjoying having a quarterback like that as well? Because, you know, obviously, Gordon, on your point, he's worked with Andrew Luck as a rookie. Now, obviously, Andrew Luck went on to be great quarterback, and there's some chat about him maybe coming out of retirement. I don't know how much of that's rumor and what have you. But still, you know, he was taken in a rookie. With Winston, he was taken in a rookie. He was capable, but very capable of errors. With Palmer and, War- with, and Warner, he was getting quarterbacks who'd had careers and trying to get them back into the transcendency. Um, with Brady, there's almost an element here where he doesn't necessarily need to worry about his quarterback, and that will allow him to focus on other parts of the team. No question about it. I mean, he, when Tom Brady walked in, and when he signed that contract and he walked through those doors, it was like he just got the best Christmas present ever. <laughs> I mean, now he walks in every day. It's like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I think it's, it was like Christmas morning every day. <laughs> and I think that's how it is. And and how can you, you know, Ed, he's, he's just at such another level. It's like when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos, when Peyton Manning walked onto that, onto that campus or into that, that facility, everyone's like, Oh shit, but you know, Peyton's here. I mean, it just elevates everybody around him. And that's the one thing that really great players do. And that's what Tom has done in Tampa Bay. It's not like, oh, you know, we're going to do this. Man, I got to be on point. because you know, I mean, It's that. It's the Tom factor. Mm-hmm. You know, he just makes players want to work harder because they know how hard he works. He would never demand anything of them that he doesn't do himself. And that's an unbelievable thing. And that's, you know, why some of the players, uh, you know, have gotten better, you know, and have gone to another level because they're pushing themselves to, to try and, you know, be like Tom and, 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 and just work that hard. And, you know, and, and if they do that, if everybody collectively does that, what happens? You know, you're, you're pretty good, which is where Tampa Bay's at right now. And it, and it took some time, as you said, with no offseason and no preseason games. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even have any game reps together. And then they might not even even there have been weeks where they might not have even practiced. Like the Browns didn't even practice the one week yeah. and they went out and beat Pittsburgh. I mean, these are unbelievable things not to have any feel for, you know, some of the plays are going to be called and seeing situations that, you know, you might not practice against. I mean, that's a lot for a quarterback and the, you know, again, just to, to the level where he's at and, and what he does for a team is, is incredible. And given that as well, the fact that teams haven't had that fluid uh, training, that there's been disruption, you would forgive the whole season and across the whole setup that it was a bit rough around the edges, that it was a bit sloppy and a bit scrappy. I don't think it's felt like that at all, though. I think the teams have been really resilient in this. Uh, and even when guys have had to step up, every single one of them's taken the bull by the horns. Every man's taken that opportunity to show what he's capable of. And the, the standard of this season has not dipped. I don't think at all. And you look at something like the Bucks and Gordon, we've touched on this already, but, and, and Jim said that, you know, everyone, everybody in the room sits up a little bit straighter when Tom's walking in because you want to impress. This is Tom Brady. You want to be in your best game. But what that's done is that's taken a highly talented roster that's arguably underperformed for a long time. And they're now performing at the level that you, I guess that we all know that they're capable of because there is some 
top talent in that team, even the Leonard Fournette effect. And Fournette just looked disinterested in Jacksonville, other than the one season that they made it all the way to the championship games, where he was a big factor in that. He's never really been a star. Um, and in, in a couple of games, and it's certainly in the postseason, Leonard Fournette, or what are they calling him? Playoff Lenny or whatever it is. Playoff Lenny, yeah. Playoff and, Lenny. And that's, so the, the thing with that as well is that so for so much of his time in Jacksonville, defences could key on the running game. You can't do that against the Bucks because it's not just Tom. It's, you know, they've got two really good pass catching tight ends. They've got three really good wide receivers. Their, their wide receiver four in Scotty Miller is better than some number twos in the NFL roster. So you cannot commit to stopping the run against them. And if you get a guy with Leonard Fournette's size and the fact that he can, you know, he's not a slow guy when he gets moving – he's going to get to the second level just based on box counts at individual times. And if you get him one-on-one with a safety, that's when you're in trouble. And that's where I, I guess... I want to tackle him. Yeah. And that's where Brady's experience counts into there as well because Brady will be able to read these defences like virtually nobody else. He'll know exactly when to play that. And you could see that against the Packers. They just kept making the right calls on third down and everything. They just kept converting. Uh, now, part of that was down that Green Bay forgot how to tackle. But... Tampa really were cooking with gas at times and looked unstoppable. They marched down the field with ease at points. And you look at someone like Mike Evans, who plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's got a point to prove, and he's going to enjoy proving it. Antonio Brown, we've spoken a lot about in this podcast. And uh, before we came on, you know, you were chatting about he's you know questionable. He may not, he may be limited on the day, but. Uh, whatever we think of his antics off the field, he's desperate to prove something on it. And this is his chance to get to a Super Bowl. Or, well, he's at the Super Bowl, so this is his chance to win the whole thing. Each of these guys has got something to do. And they're doing it at home. And then somehow we look at the odds and they're not the favourites coming into this. And that's got to be rare for Tom Brady as well. So this is this is theirs for the taking, surely. I think Tom loves the fact he's an underdog. Like, yeah. Keep betting against the old guy. Let me know how that's going to work out for you. I just went to Tampa Bay where nobody's ever played at home, as you alluded to earlier in the show, when nobody's played in a, in a Super Bowl that's where it's been hosted. And Tom did that too. And uh, it's just one more thing he's done that's going to put a, you know another feather in his cap. And, you know, he's going to love the underdog role. He's going to love playing, you know, at home. It's warm weather. Um, it's going to be a fun game. And you talked about the offense and, and trying to key on Jones and Fournette. Those guys run the ball extremely well. And if you do, you know, drop the safety down in, they, their play action game is so good where they're going to hit the big shots over the, you know, over the top. And, you, and when you do walk the safety, the strong safety down and you have one safety back, they're either playing basically cover one or cover three, which is a three deep zone or man to man with a free safety free. You now you just pick your best matchup. Now you got eight guys, you know, down in the box and you, you know, you got big windows to throw the ball into and they do a great job of, of mixing in the play action game with, you know, from under center, you know, some of the RPO stuff that they do with Tom and, you know, then their screen game outside. Um, Scotty Miller, as you said, Godwin, um, you know, even Shady McCoy comes off the bench and gives them some good snaps at, at tailback. And you, you know, you got Frenette and Jones. Jones is almost a thousand yard rusher. Right? I mean, there's weapons all over the place. And the thing that holds the, that team together offensively is that offensive line. They are very good together. Uh, you got another Division Three player starting at a guard. What is it, Marple? I believe his name is. He's had a, a great career. Got drafted out of a D three school for God's sake. He's been a staple. They're all healthy up front. 
you know, they've done a, a good job of, of keeping Tom, you know, vertical and his, and his uniform dirty or clean. And uh, Kansas City's going to have to fit. And the other thing is Kansas City, they're, they're near the bottom in pass defense. You know, and they, they're, I, th- I believe, second or third worst as far as passing passing defense in the red zone. So they better keep uh, keep them out of the red zone because Tampa Bay is so good. Mike Evans is, is a is a nightmare in the red zone. I mean, you just throw him back shoulder phase or over the top phase. He's so big and physical, and you know that's where he's made a lot of money this year. And on the other side of the ball, Gordon, on the defense, because let's be honest, it's offense is going to be massive in this game, but defense is going to be, as Jim said earlier on, probably the X factor here. That's going to be the difference between the Chiefs winning or not, because if you're going to beat the Chiefs, you've got to stop Mahomes. Um, Anton Winfield looks as though he might well play play through the ankle injury. There, there may be a couple of little question marks on the defense health-wise, but really, this is a, a defense that's caused a number of teams a lot of hassle. And I find, you know, the Packers got into that game at home, but we saw exactly what they did to Aaron Rodgers and co. when they faced them during the, the regular season. Uh, and even when these two teams went head-to-head in Week 12, the, the Chiefs raced out into a huge lead, but Tampa Bay got pretty damn close to them by the end of that game. And the defense was very relevant in the second half of that. The, the interesting thing with the whole how do you slow down Patrick Mahomes is the most sensible option I think people come up with is if you're able to win with four guys up front against the offensive line, then you can you know you can be clever with how you use your guys in coverage. Where I worry a little bit about the Bucks is that because there's some health questions at safety, um, I think they've got talented linebackers who can overplay and can you know. Uh, overreach their their mark and zone um, from time to time. The Chiefs are really not the team that you want to overplay things in the middle of the field because it's not just Travis Kelsey who is arguably probably the best tight end in football is coming off a ridiculous season. But Tyreek Hill does a lot of his damage from the slot as well. And if you just one simple miss in the middle of the field on Tyreek Hill, and that's 80 yards and gone. So that if the Bucks can if the Bucks can find some big plays on defense, and I think you know you look at so many games in, in the playoffs this year. Sometimes all you need is one play. You look at um, Baltimore Buffalo, and it was one play by a defensive player, the pick six in that game, that just decided which way that game went. Either one of these teams, you know, a lucky interception in plus territory. You know, the ball bounces up and someone's able to get onto the ball a fumble that bounces perfectly and someone can return it for a touchdown. All those things, they're the things that allow you to steal a score in a game that, you know, should have a load of points on offense. If, if a defense can steal something, that's the kind of thing that can turn this game. If you look at the two teams coming into this one and you look at the questionable designations against people, it does look like Tampa have got the, the, the more marks against them. Right now, if you're looking at the depth charts on ESPN, you've got questionables against Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. Uh, on defense, you've got questionables against Vita Vea, J, uh, JPP, Levante David, Antoine Winfield, and of course, Jordan Whitehead. That's a lot of starting players with a questionable designation, which is far from ideal going into Super Bowl week. Now, they might all feature... 
But I guess that's the one thing, if you're the Chiefs, you're hoping that maybe even one or two of those guys doesn't quite make it. Because as soon as that defense isn't at 100%, then that gives you the avenues at which you can look for the weakness. And if there's one quarterback in this league, I think right now more than any other, who can find your weakness and exploit it repeatedly, it's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I mean, to be honest, he doesn't even need a weakness to exploit it. He just keeps delivering things as well. Um, Jim... You know, we're talking about the great talent that is Tom Brady, but coming into this, this is a, a changing of the garden. We talked about this in the the last episode. You know, this is this is almost like Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader in in Star Wars. You know, this is the the changing of the guard at the at the very top of this. Um, and you know, Patrick Mahomes is an exciting talent that we're going to be talking about for maybe as long as we've been talking about Brady. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him have a career like that. And, and there's no question. I, I saw, you know, you've seen all the memes on Twitter and everything with, you know, like Tom being the, the grown-up goat, and then you got like a little baby goat with, with Mahomes. <laughs> I think that's great stuff. But uh, I'm not sure Tom's ready to just turn things over. And uh, there's no changing of the guard yet. He's still standing firmly with with his howitzer on that right arm at the, at the gate, not letting anybody through. And, uh you know, he just keeps doing it year in and year out. Mahomes is an unbelievable talent. I love watching him play. His ability to, you know, throw from any arm angle, you know, any any platform. I mean, he, we've been watching Rodgers do the same thing. That's what people seem to forget. Like, the, you know, this this whole thing with Mahomes doing no looks. I mean, you know, these guys have been doing it for a long time before Mahomes got here. It's just new. And, I mean, now people are really paying attention and it's and it's different and he's more, you know, he's athletic. But um, It's the camera angles as well. Like, we've got camera angles now that you just didn't have when Brady was in, in his youth and Rodgers was coming into the league. We've got – there's 400 cameras on these guys at every single play. So you get these great shots of these no-looks. You didn't get that when they were starting out, some of these. No, and, and the, the fascinating thing is, you know, you see the camera on the wires. Do you know you know where that came from? The NFL did not come up with that. Right, okay. That was the first run of the XFL. They were the first league to have the cameras on those wires to give you those angles to to get behind the quarterback to see exactly what the quarterback sees. You know, the arms arm armchair guys, you know, oh man, I don't know why that guy was running wide open. Well, here's why. <laughs> yeah. The guard whiffed, the back went to get him. I had to sidestep here. He grabbed a hold of my leg. I got a guy in my face. I couldn't see that guy, so I went here. I mean, it just gives you great angles, as you said, and the, the, you know, the pylon cams, the, the first down cams that they have. I mean, all these camera angles where guys reaching with the, for the ball and to, to see the toes on the sidelines. I mean, it, it's great stuff. And that's just where the game keeps going. It's just the next, the next thing. And um, it's exciting. And, um, you know, it gives the people at home more to, more to see, to really understand the game. You know, just being able to see, you know, the quarterback's perspective of things and why he went where he did and, you know, why the ball was picked off or, you know, the, you know, the, the holding call that didn't look like it was a holding call. And, you know, it's just it just really opens your eyes that much more to how good this game is and, you know, how far it's come. And we talk about talent, obviously, on the Buccaneers offense. On Kansas City side, Tyreek Hill continues to be a, a unique threat. The, the, I think the, the combination of Kelsey and Hill gives that speed and size that is almost unequaled, I think, in any offense. You know, Tampa's probably the closest to it uh, who can come up with that threat where they've got the size of, you know, actually even Evans' size is pretty substantial, but you do have Gronk if you need him. Cameron Brate's become a relevant tight end again. And then obviously the speed and Godwin is uh, that down the field threat as well. So 
you know, Kansas City have a lot of talent. Obviously, the running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire um, out of LSU has had a decent rookie season, obviously kind of thrown in at the deep end there. Um Michael Hardman, Sammy Watkins questionable as to whether he's going to play or not, but we know what he's capable of. And again, Mahomes just has a, a habit of finding all these different receivers. And he, he's like Brady in that sense. He doesn't just go to his two guys. He uses them a lot, but he can go to any single one of his weapons and find them. Um, and I think that's a very interesting and important thing that they're going to have to do to exploit this Buccaneers defense. I agree with you. I'm, I'm looking at the stats right now and Kansas City has six guys with at least 35 catches. I mean, that that that's that just goes to show you. I mean, you got to cover sideline to sideline. And by the way, you're, we're going to look to hit you north and south as well with bombs down the field. Their, their speed at wide receivers, you know, incredible with, with Hill and Hardman. And then you got Demarcus Robinson, who's, who's had a nice year. You know, he's pretty young. He's only 26, drafted in the 2016. You know, he's got 45 catches for 466. I mean, it's just – then you got Le'Veon Bell that you can drop the ball to on screens. He's a great pass protector. Uh, Edward Solaire is, is, is a stud. And uh, I thought that that was a great – when he fell, I'm like, oh, my God, Kansas City's going to get him. you got to be kidding me. That's all they need is another guy like that. But he's, you know, he's had a tremendous year, um, as you said, out of LSU. He's a great running back. He's got great hands out of the backfield, and he, and he pass protects very well. Um, like I said – both offenses are extremely talented with lots of toys in the toy chest. We talked last week, Gordon, about the, the footage that had come out after the Chiefs-Bills game when Hardman dropped that punt early in the game. The Bills recovered, turned it into a touchdown. He went off to the sideline, his head was down, and his quarterback and his tight end right away over. You know, what do you do with adversity? You get up and you smack it in the face. And they absolutely backed him. And they went straight to him and got him to throw off a couple of plays. Now, he didn't do much else in the game after that, but they got his head back up. And that's a sign off a real team that pulls together. And I think that's uh, definitely something that's a massive foundation upon which this Kansas City Chiefs team is built. Um, even on defense, you know, there's, they're maybe not the best defense in the world, but they seem to play really well together as a unit. And they've got a couple of big sort of names in there. Someone like, you know, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, just seems to galvanize the players around him. And that's something that he's done so far in his career in the NFL. Yeah, in terms of the whole, it's not just the cohesiveness as well in offense, that they do such a good job of being able to put players in position to win because defenses have to focus on Tyreek Hill and they have to focus on um, Travis Kelsey. You're you're going to have one-on-one matchups or easier matchups for the Michael Hardmans, the Demarcus Robinsons, the Clyde edwards Lair, all those guys. But Andy Reid and that offense are so good at scheming those things up and making sure you know going to Michael Hard Hardman on that play, you know, getting him the ball in space where you allow just his speed to take over. And that, that's what they've done. They've, you know, they've got Tyreek Hill as a player who I think has delivered way above what they expected. They thought they were just getting a speedster and he's someone who can do a lot more than that really well. But outside of that, they, they've been aggressive at going after fast players, players that can turn games on their head with those quick twitches. And all of a sudden they've gone 50, 60 yards. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think it's just such a smart way to attack things. If you are... If you're a team who knows you're going to score a lot of points, you know you're going to be in some shootouts, you just need players who can come up with a couple of big plays. I think people often look at defensive backs and the big focus is on how many big plays they allow. You know, do they 
do they make mistakes in coverage, all those things, or can, you know, the Drell Revises of the world are incredibly rare that can actually shut down a wide receiver. So arguably in today's NFL, it makes more sense, unless you can have a Drell Revis, which is going to be very unlikely, go and get the guy who will be aggressive. He might get beat a couple of times, but you kind of expect that you're going to score 30, 40 points anyway. So if you're going to score 30, 40 points, him making a couple of mistakes doesn't kill you. And if he can come up with a big play the other way, all of a sudden it's a huge boost. What about the head coaches then? Um, if we look back over the the sort of recent history, um, the last couple of Super Bowls certainly there's been this kind of old, experienced head coach versus a young, up-and-coming, new-style head coach. This isn't like that. This is two proper old-school head coaches that are absolutely at the top of their game. How significant is that battle going to be? And Jim, who do you think of these two head coaches has got the better chance to outwit the other one? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you can you can flip a coin on that one. I got a, I got a lot of respect for for both those coaches. I mean, the, not and they they've done it for years and years, and not just you know with different teams. And you know what Andy Reid has been able to do. I was so happy for him as everybody was to finally see him win one. He's been so close for so many times, losing in the championship games, losing the Super Bowl with the Eagles. I mean, he's one of those guys that everybody likes. You know, he's just a, he's just a dude. He's a guy's guy, and you, you root for him. And and Arians is, is like that too. You know, I, I saw him on uh, Hard Knocks, and uh, you know, in his motorhome. And I mean, he's you know, he's wearing his little beret. I mean, he is just a cool dude. He, he's a guy that you want to play for. Both those guys are, and and beyond that, they're both offensive geniuses. Just their ability. I, I think Andy Reid has the advantage as far as creativity goes, he window dresses a lot. Arians is, and, and, I, and I was, I read it on Twitter one time, you know, that when Tampa Bay was kind of on that, that downward slide, they, there was a, the, the one game they only had like four shifts or motions. And in other words, they're lining up and giving the defense exactly what the defense thinks they're going to do. There's no variation. There's no, there's nobody setting and then, and then shifting and then motioning. I mean, Andy Reed does all that and he's so creative as you said, with with uh, Tyreek Hill getting the ball on, you know, reverse and Hardman was uh, on reverses, and then the screen game off of that, and then you know just him, you know, running behind Mahomes, uh, you know, in in a, in a flat area. You 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 got to be aware of that, and he's he's probably going the other way. I mean, there's all these different things that he's trying to show you that it creates. Uh, it, it's it's really hard for a defense to cover, and it's really hard to key on where 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 you're going because there are so many shifts. And then it's like, okay, well, if they shift this way, we got to, you know, we got to reset our linebackers. We might have to reset our defensive line. We might have to change the call. I mean, it constantly keeps them moving. And the other thing it does when they run hurry up offense or any offense, you know, picks the pace up as soon as if, if the centers, if the quarterback's ready to take the snap, the defense has to get set. So that's why a lot of teams, you know, play with, you know, how the, the speed of the game, maybe they want to speed it up and, and get the defense to show their hand because if they do, if the defense is moving around, you just snap the ball and you catch them out of position. So they have to, they have to show you what they're going to do. And then if they want then the quarterback will back out and look to the sideline and maybe he changes the play and um, all those kinds of things, but it's the creativity. And Andy Reed is one of the best at doing that. I mean, just unbelievable. And, and for, for him to keep doing it this long and, and, and keep being creative and, and finding new ways that we haven't seen before. I mean, how about the underhand, uh, 
you know, screen he threw to Kelsey when, when he was rolling to the right and he, you know, underhanded it and he walked in. I mean, it was like, wow. And didn't see that one coming. I mean, there's, there's calls like that, that he makes every game. Like you're like, damn, how well executed was that? And what a concept for him to draw up that play. How do you think the two of them will cope? Obviously, Andy Reid's now won a Super Bowl. He's coming in as a Super Bowl champion. Arians has won two as an assistant coach, but never led his team out in one. How much do you think the big game and having done it already matters in that head-to-head? I think it might. Of course it matters. Um, I think it's one of those things where, you know, if you're the Chiefs, like they went down nine to nothing. And you're like, wow, they really look off. You know, they were unsettled, drop punt. They were behind in every single playoff game last year, including the Super Bowl. And not by, you know, three or four points. I mean, they went down. These guys don't flinch. You know, they've been there before. So a coach that has been there in those situations as the head coach, it's like, all right, we've been. I mean, it's different. He's already had the, you know, going through you know, a couple weeks of practice. I mean, just the preparation and all the outside noise that goes on during the Super Bowl, not as much this year with COVID and everything, but just getting your players to, to stay focused for two weeks. I mean, that's a long time, but in between games. And, um, you know, I know talking to some guys that I played with, you know, back in Buffalo, when they went to their first couple Super Bowls, it was like, woo, Super Bowl. You know, I mean, there was too much outside influence on what they were doing and maybe not enough in the on the field, but um. It, it matters. It matters, no question, if uh, if you've been there before. Um, Arians has been in a, a lot of big games. He's coaching Super Bowls. Um, but if you don't think Tom wants to get him a Super Bowl, his first win as a Super Bowl head coach, I mean, that's that's another thing that, that Tom has right here on that, show, on that shoulder to try and get done because of the relationship that they have and how close they, they are. You can tell, you know, when, when, when they talk about each other. It's just – you know, they kind of light up. They love, you can tell they love being around each other because of the, the way that they compete, the way that Tom is and, you know, Bruce with his creativity on offense, his ability to um, relate to his players. You, you, you play for, you play for both these guys. You run through the glass window without being asked for both these guys because of the respect that you have for them. And Gordon, that's definitely something that comes across is like in the game, we, you know, there's there's a lot of head coaches are spoken highly of, but it's a position that's always under the the lens. It's a position that's always being focused on. Seats get hot pretty quick in the NFL, but these are both head coaches that, you know, when you're watching the game at home, you hear almost every week the the commentators and the co-commentators or the analysts in the studio talking about how great these two guys are, talking about how highly respected they are. These are absolutely two of the best in the business, um, and of the last. 10, 15 years are names that would be at the top of the list. Yeah, and they're also, weirdly, they're also, I think, too, it's probably not weird, it's probably why they're they're praised, as well as being really good coaches. They're also two of the most media-friendly guys. Um, the, the stories you hear about Bruce Arians, just the way he'll just have a conversation with people in the media just about various things. Andy Reid has probably the best coach media story in the world where he bumped into... Um, a reporter coming back from, I think it was coming back from the combine. They just happened to bump into each other at the airport. And the reporter, a guy called Charles McDonald, who was at the uh, New York Daily News maybe this year, um, just asked him about food. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, he's got Andy Reid's mac and cheese recipe. Um, <laughs> it's like all the, the four or five cheeses he has in this, in this recipe. So 
they they come across as very you know, very nice guys who it's very easy to get along with. And, you know, as well as being very smart when it comes to the X's and O's, I think that translates itself to being able to lead people in this situation as well. And they're probably two of the best coaches that if you are down 10 points, 14 points in this game, the, the quarterbacks and coaches in this game probably isn't going to bother them too much. They're not going to be too scared at that point. Coming into this then, everything we talked about that, you know, we hope this isn't going to be a defensive game and I don't think that's going to be the case. But if you look back at all the Super Bowls that Brady's played in, the one thing that you can say of all of them with perhaps the only exception being that one against the Rams, which was 10-point swing. That's the biggest swing in any of the Super Bowls that Brady's played in. Um, obviously, Mahomes has only played in one and he won by 11. But um, So already Mahomes has got a bigger Super Bowl winning margin than Brady's done in any of his previous games. But I, does that suggest that this is going to be tight? Um, and does that suggest that does it suggest that the Bucks can absolutely win this? Because if it's a tight game, then that's where they've got their opportunity. Yeah, I think I think the Bucks. If there's a team that loses this by being blown out, I think it's the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks blow out the Chiefs just because. I don't think you can keep Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense quiet for four quarters. I think it's it's difficult to do it with the Bucks, but. I think it's impossible with the Chiefs. Mahomes' injury is the only thing that's going to result. Yeah, in yeah, and and if and if he you know picks up another injury during the game or something like that, but if this is a close game and both offenses are putting up points, the Bucks are absolutely have a have a serious chance at winning the game. These are two offenses that can go toe to toe for sixty plus minutes. Um, I think that's an entirely plausible way that we wind up seeing this being 35-35 in the final two minutes of the game. Oofed. I tell you, I got five and five on my on my board. I would that wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and for us, of course, here in the UK and in Scotland, you know, that's going to be if it's thirty five, thirty five, we're going to be up till about half four in the morning or later watching that bad boy. So at least it makes it worth it. <laughs> that I tell you that. That Patriots Rams one was probably one of the toughest Super Bowls I've had to sit through because that was that got grim in this in that third quarter. That was like, geez, man, something happened. Please, for goodness' sake. That, that actually led to me getting a little bit drunker than I planned that night. The game was so bad that <laughs> I was just like, just, I'm just gonna have another couple of pints. This is not gonna be a good game. So. Yeah, I knew I shouldn't have taken a shot every time there was a punt. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, gents, it's time to put your necks on the line. Uh, let's talk about how we think it's actually going to go and Jim as our guest we're going to come to you first who do you see winning this and how do you see it turning out I I predicted at the beginning of the year that Tampa Bay would win 31 to 20 I had the wrong team in the AFC with the Ravens but I'm I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna keep it I'm gonna go 31 20 Tampa Bay Tom Brady is the uh, MVP defense shows out big uh, a couple turnovers and I'm, I'm again I'm looking at the stats you got they got guys that can get after the passer, numerous guys. You, know, you got White with nine sacks. You got JPP with nine and a half sacks. You got Sue with six, Golson with three, you know, Winfield with three from a safety position, Whitehead with two. I mean, Barrett with eight. I mean, they, they got guys that can get after the passer, and Kansas City really doesn't. I think that's the difference in the game. I think, uh, I think Tampa Bay is going to look to run the ball with Fournette and Jones. And, and take the game and try and shrink it down. 
put together 13, 14, 15 play drives, uh, eat up the clock, and limit the amount of possessions that Kansas City and Mahomes have. How do you how do you keep Kansas City from scoring? You keep them off the field, and I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, interesting. Gordon? I, I just can't pick against the Chiefs. Um, the way this season has gone, I just – Unless something happens to Mahomes and the injury gets worse, I just I struggle to see them not putting up points. And I think I think someone in the Chiefs' defense steps up and makes the, – there's a big turnover that happens. One of the guys I think might be as a surprising candidate to make this, Lajarius Sneed, they've started blitzing him more in the last like five, six weeks of the season. I think he had like four or five sacks in the final few weeks of the season. I, I think either him, Tyra Matthew – force a fumble on a sack of Brady and that possession is enough for the for the Chiefs to to be the offense that puts up enough points. Yeah, I it's got to be close. It's got to be close. And I think that Jim made a really good point. I've been chatting about this being like Skywalker Vader, right? But this is the Empire Strikes Back. This isn't Return of the Jedi. This is the one where Vader chops off Luke Skywalker's arm and does inflicts a bit of damage before inevitably the changing of the guard happens. I, I think this is Empire Strikes Back. I think this is Brady's last hurrah. Uh, last hurrah because I think this is the last one he'll win. I don't think he'll retire now. Uh, I think, that, as you said, Jim, I think he'll play for another couple of years. And I don't know how long he can keep it going. Um, I guess from the NFC side of things, actually looking at it, maybe he does get back there next year again. Who knows? Uh, We'll come on to another conversation uh, to do with NFC and who might make it uh, after we've spoken about the Super Bowl next year. But um, yeah, I I see the Bucs winning this. I think that there's enough there for them to game manage it out. And I think you're right, Jim. I think that they, they, they game manage this. Um, I think that they do. They, they restrict the Chiefs to playing time. Fine, the Chiefs can come on and score, but you know what? We're going to slow it right down. We're going to tire out your defense because we're going to keep them on the field. Fine, score all the points you want, but we're going to score every time as well. And then that way, they just need one of the Tampa Bay players to, to get a, an early three and out a couple of times, get the ball back. And as long as you've got the ball in your possession, you're moving it forward, that you're putting yourself in the perfect position to win. So I, I think the Bucks win. I think they win by less than four points. It's tight. Um, and I think it goes right down to the final drive of the game as well. So there you go. That's us giving our opinions. I can't believe I've gone from saying that the Bucks will, won't have a winning season to now backing them to win the Super Bowl, eh? Tom Brady <laughs> stuck it to me, good and proper. Not for the first it's, time. It's tough to bet against the goat, man. <laughs> it is. I should know better. I should know better. I've learned. I've definitely learned. <laughs> How many was? It? Is it twelve burgers in total that you know? It's twelve burgers in total. What, what yeah. number does Tom Brady wear? <laughs> number twelve. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we need to talk about though, because since we've met, uh, there's been another big change at quarterback, and I alluded to this about uh, the NFC because, you know, this is the first time that the the Super Bowl has been played where one of the teams, it's their home ground. I didn't word that very well, but you know what I mean. Next year, the Super Bowl is played in LA, in that amazing new stadium. Does Matthew Stafford lead the LA Rams to the Super Bowl in their own home and be the second team to do it? Or have the Rams paid far too much a price for that and is Jared Goff not that much worse than Stafford that's a ridiculous statement I'm putting that back in my mouth who nonsense but have have the Rams paid too much I guess and is Matt Stafford good enough Jim do you think to to take them to a Super Bowl 
Yeah, I think he is. Uh, that defense that's in place is phenomenal. You start with Aaron Donald, enough said. I mean, they had an outstanding year. Uh, you know, they had a great coordinator this year. Uh, actually, another D3 guy. It was from John Carroll. Um, but, yeah, he's, he, look, at what, look at what he's done in, in, in Detroit with very little talent. And, you know, he continues to put up big numbers each and every year. Uh, I, I, I love watching Stafford play. I think he's very fundamentally sound. He makes a lot of good decisions. He's tough. I mean, the, the injuries that he's battled through at certain times of his career, I mean, he didn't have to play when he did. And, you know, the one game that comes to mind is when he played the Browns, when he separated his shoulder, he popped it back in on the sideline, went back in for a two-point and won the damn game. I'm like, shit. <laughs> um, he's a gamer. And uh, I think he's really going to excel and, uh, in that offense. They've got a lot of pieces out there. I think Jared Goff was very good at times this year, but he was inconsistent. And that's why the Rams really didn't get to that next level. And, um, you know, when you start with, with, with uh, Donald on defense, when you got a Jalen Ramsey at corner, and you got a guy that can sling it and, and get creative, and he's very experienced. That's the other thing. You know, he's started so many years in the league. I mean, he, you can give him more and more and more on his plate. Jared might have been a little bit limited as far as what McVay gave him for game plan-wise. Matthew, Matthew can handle a lot of that. And you, you'll probably see Matthew audible more and take more control of the game in-game uh, at, at, at crucial times. And when you have a veteran quarterback like that, it just makes you that much better. And I think he has the ability to do it. I don't think they will make the Super Bowl next year, though, but I, I see them in the playoffs making noise, but I don't think they'll get there. I, I don't know if I don't know if he can be like a top five quarterback in that offense, but I think he can pro, probably be in the top 10. Um, and I think as well, I, I don't love giving up as much as they've given up, but of all the teams in the NFL, the Rams have bought in so much to the point of like they they were a team who their window, you know, when you look at they've not had first round picks. It's now going to be seven years in a row. Uh, salary cap issues are coming their way because they've now. I I, I think Jared Goff had the the biggest dead cap hit in NFL history when they traded him away. So there comes a point where they're going to you know even this year they've got huge salary cap problems. If you're in that position, you know your window is limited. You need to pay up for the quarterback. If you think of all the of all the quarterbacks out there, and they were probably never going to be in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, Stafford's probably their best bet. And you know what you're hoping for with Stafford is a top ten season, and you get a couple of lucky bounces, and you can go to the Super Bowl. That you know we've seen the quarterbacks who've won Super Bowls over the last decade is essentially Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes and a bunch of quarterbacks who got lucky at the right time. The Joe Flacco's, the Nick Foles, those guys. So that's what the hope is with Matthew Stafford. You get a top 10 season out of him, and you get a little bit lucky in the playoffs, and it leads you to a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's interesting. If we look at that NFC South, uh, sorry, NFC West, last season going into it, we were talking about how powerful a division it was. And actually now, even seeing how it all panned out, that's still a strong division, but every team is flawed. There's no one team stands out as the beacon of greatness, and there's no one team that's absolutely the weakest in there. They've all got strengths and weaknesses, but actually, if the Rams can do better on offense this year, we know that defense is highly capable. Uh, we know in Aaron Donald they've got one of the best players in the league. In Jalen Ramsey, they've got one of the best cornerbacks. Um, and then they've got talent across that whole area. On offense, yeah, there's question marks. I still think, for me, the wide receiver, fine. Cooper Cup's a good receiver. Um, Robert 
Woods, I'm unsure on. Um, like, is he really a standout number one wide receiver? So there's question marks maybe there. The run game, they really need to get Cam Akers going because Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, I'm not sure are the answer there. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a division that they, the Rams could dominate. Um, without necessarily having to take too much of a, a step forward, if Stafford can go in and be the the best Matthew Stafford that we've seen over the last couple of years, it's interesting though because there's there's conversation and I I I, I think it's just rumor. I can't think it's anything else about the Niners trying to get Kirk Cousins. Now, obviously, it's interesting that Kirk Cousins takes a lot of heat and Kirk Cousins get a lot of criticism. Uh, and I would say, as a Niner, my natural reaction to that is I'd rather not have Kirk. Cousins, you know, I would rather the, the Niners look somewhere else. But at the same time, he's kind of had the similar thing to Stafford, where Stafford kind of gets away with the lines being poor because the defense is so bad. Yet in Minnesota, Kirk Cousins doesn't seem to be afforded the same benefit of the doubt because the Vikings defense last year was terrible. In offense, actually, Kirk Cousins did not a bad job. So... I, don't I mean, he had, a pa- he had a pass rating of 105, which was his career higher. Completed 68% of his passes, 4,200 yards, 35 touchdowns, 13 picks. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty solid. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if your defense has given up a lot more than what you're scoring, I mean, it's pretty tough to win. And uh, I, I, I think you're right, though. I, I like the Akers kid a lot. I think when he got the ball in the, you know, the late, later half of the season, he did a lot of good things with them. I mean, they, he's fast. He can catch the ball to backfield strong, does a great job keeping his legs going a lot of yards after contact, you know, very seldom as he brought down one-on-one, they, they got some pieces there. They just got to, you know, you got Jefferson who's going to be, you know, uh, probably offensive rookie of the year. What a hell of a season he had in his first year again with no off season, no, no, <laughs> no training camp. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, no preseason games. And all this guy does from LSU is just come on and, and lit the league on fire. Unbelievable talent. Fun to watch. Yeah, definitely lots of things to like in there for sure. Um, all right. Um, before we wrap up then, any other stories? The Andrew Luck one. Let's talk about some of the other quarterback stuff. Andrew Luck, do you think he's coming back out retirement or is this just noise? I think it's fake. I don't even think it's noise. I think it's entirely, it's like a, it's like a weird text message from like his wife, apparently to one of her friends and the friends leaked it. I just, I struggle to believe that Andrew Luck and a play and a guy that reserved struggle to believe that his wife would just be like casually texting stuff about like a meeting with the Colts owner. And I, I don't buy it. I, I would love to see it. Cause you know, especially if he's had time to recover a bit because he just took an absolute beating in Indianapolis. Ironically, they finally got an offensive line that could protect him as he retired. Um, would love to see it. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. What, what do you guys call it over there? Somebody's telling porky pies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody's telling porky pies. I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think there's any truth to that at all. And, um, you know, he had a great career. Maybe he does come back. You know, maybe it was one of those things like Le'Veon Bell said, when I sat out, it rejuvenated my body and gave me a chance to, to heal up like it did, you know, with Gronk and, you know, you never say never, but um, I don't think it's true at this point either, to be honest with you. The, uh, the story I want to talk about is the fact that, so the chiefs, the chiefs were very close to being missing 20 players for this game, including Mahomes, including Travis Kelsey, I think as well, because they, set themselves up for like to, to go for like group haircuts with like a team approved barber 
and the barber got a test for COVID and they didn't wait until the test was in and he'd already started and cut two guys here and there was like a queue of them outside waiting to go in when they got the positive test. Um, like so far, everyone else's test is negative and it's fine. I just, with everything that's going on, what you do, you need a, do you need a haircut the week of the Super Bowl? <laughs> like just, just get your haircut. I, I know everyone wants to look good, but- You're wearing a helmet. You win in a helmet. <laughs> you run the risk. You run the risk of not playing in the biggest game of your life. I probably would have just gone without it. You're, you're wearing a helmet, and then you put on a baseball cap if you win the damn thing. <laughs> your hair's not on show. Good grief! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, Jim, you've played in a final. Uh, how important's a haircut in the days before playing? I don't know. With everything that's going on now, you, you know, you might want to think about it or, or you just, I don't know, you go with two other guys or something. Yeah, I, yeah, I, not 20. I, I, got, I got my own thoughts and stuff on COVID and everything that's going on, but um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, an unnecessary risk in the grand scheme of the yeah. rules, is it? Yeah. Well, an yeah, unnecessary I mean, you, know, you know what the rules are. If, yes. if you're a close contact, yeah. you're going to miss time. It's just... Yeah. It's asking for I mean, trouble. Asking yeah. for trouble. Yeah. <laughs> what about Deshaun Watson then, Jim? What do you make of the Deshaun Watson situation? Do you think there's any scenario where he leaves Houston? Um, and is, or do you think there's any way Houston can recover this relationship? I think the relationship is, is done. Uh, the fact that, you know, they didn't consult with him. I mean, I, I think that he's earned that right. And he expressed that right. And he's that guy in that franchise. Uh, he's, you know, is the face of the franchise. He does everything the right way. He's never embarrassed you. And, you know, he's, you know, he's one of the most dynamic talents in, in the league. The precedent was set with the, with the golf trade for Stafford, what the Rams gave up for Stafford. The question is what, what is it going to take to get Watson five first round picks two third? I mean, what, what's the number this, this just, blew the whole thing up. I mean, it's, you know, some people are like, man, we could, we could get, you know, Watson and Cleveland for what, what's the price for that to happen? It's, it's too steep unless you are just absolutely loaded with draft picks that where you can unload some of them. I mean, you're, you're, you know, I think he's an unbelievable talent, but to what, to what cost? I I think the only, the only realistic, landing spots if he does go one is to uh new york to the jets because they've got the second overall pick so that sweetens the deal a little bit and you might not need to give up as many but i'm not even convinced they're gonna have enough picks to to give up enough to get them i think the favorites have to be miami because they're loaded with picks they've got two first this year two seconds they could give two back as well so you're given like a young quarterback and a rookie deal who was a top pick last year the, the sneaky team that I could see coming in, though, I, I, for a couple of reasons, is Carolina. Now, they have the eighth pick this year, so it's not terrible. They put in another couple of picks in on that. You know, Could they go and get them? And from the Texans' perspective, two, two things that I think he might not go for as high as people think. This is a Texans team that traded DeAndre Hopkins for nothing. Nothing. Um, and also, if you're going to trade him, can't trade him in the AFC. Like you, if you want, if you want to win a Super Bowl, do not trade him to another AFC team. It has to be to someone him. in the NFC. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to see him in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I think for the game as a whole, 
getting Deshaun Watson into the NFC, a good team, lines up a Mahomes-Watson head-to-head run for years, potentially. Do you know, like the two of them coming coming up against each other repeatedly in Super Bowls over the next 10 years. And sign me up for that, because that would be thrilling to see the two of them slinging it uh, repeatedly against each other and a to and fro back and forth. I think that would be brilliant. Um, I, you know, I wonder if this, the situation at the Panthers obviously is substantially better than the one at the Texans. There's there's gaps there, but good grief. Deshaun Watson and Christian McCaffrey. Oh, you know, if you're a Panthers fan, Jesus, you're signing up for your season ticket right now for the next 10 years too right holy crap um yeah it's it's a i mean if you're a texans fan as well it's just bereft of any kind of signs of optimism right now i yeah i sorry i know there'll be some texans fans listening to this and we're not lumping on here we it's it's a bad situation and hopefully the best that can happen here is that they do get a bunch of picks and that they can rebuild and they can pick up some really good choices in the draft over the next couple of years and start putting a team back together again so that in five six years time uh, maybe not even as long as that two, two three four years time they've got a team that they can get behind again because that afc south isn't a particularly exciting league right now Though, again, question marks over that because Jacksonville with the number one overall, Trevor Lawrence probably going to end up there. Um, you know, they've got pieces that they can start to build as well. So it's interesting. And, Jim, before we wrap up, because um, we'll make this the last question, and it's far too early and we'll do a proper analysis before the draft, but last quarterback question. Right now, who's Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall, you reckon, but is, is he the quarterback that you're most excited by out of this year's rookie draft class? Uh. I, I'm, I'm a little biased and, and it might be something to think about, you know, you got urban Meyer down at Jacksonville, which I think he's two and a half years and gone. I think he's going to be just like Saban. I don't think his personality is going to mesh with professional athletes. You know, he's, he's a very confident, confident, confident man to say the least. <laughs> and you know, how's he going to, you know, some guy's going to walk in and Urban's going to, you know, do what Urban does and the guy's making $30 million a year and he, you know, it's that. Yeah. Even though you won all and had great success in college, I don't think it's going to translate. But to answer your question, I think I, I think Trevor Lawrence is a hell of a quarterback. He was a lot of fun to watch. But Justin Fields out of Ohio State is an, is an unbelievable talent too. He, he can do and make every throw. We saw him do that this year. Um, he had an unbelievable year. You know, him coming back in the, in the injury – uh, when he got hurt, when he, I, I, I don't know how he got up after he got hit in the ribs that way. I mean, I really thought he had a collapsed lung and all that stuff. And for him to, you know, take a needle in the tent, come back out and ball out the way he did against Clemson was, was remarkable. Uh, you got the, the stud quarterback from BYU. Um, I, I know there's other quarterbacks out there off the top of my head. I can't think about, but the, it, it's a, it's a rich, talented quarterback class this year. And you're going to see uh, the, the kid from North Dakota State. They're they're talking about him being a top 15 pick. I, I saw a mock draft the other day. I believe there was what four four quarterbacks in the top 10 going. Yeah, you know there it's deep, and there's a lot of a lot of really good players out there. But uh, I I think that Trevor Lawrence will be your number one pick. Yeah, and like we've been talking about, there's so many quarterback stories right now. There's so much movement. There's so much going on that it's sure to be a fascinating couple of months when it comes to the quarterback position, that's for sure. And we will absolutely get you back on to talk about all that one. 
but that is the full-time whistle for episode 135 and that is our Super Bowl preview done and dusted thank you for taking the time to listen make sure that you check us out on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for us on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland thank you to Gordon for joining us Jim thank you for coming on again it's been an absolute pleasure Love, love being on your show. Anytime you guys want to talk ball, you got my you got my info. I'm always available. Absolutely. We will definitely be getting you back. Right. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We will be back with another episode before then as we've got our end of year awards. Um, we've also got some exciting news coming up as we'll be announcing on Twitter. We have done a deal with the great people at Goat Designs. Uh, he's joining the NFL Scotland team as our official designer. We'll be putting out the first design that we've worked up with him um, on the back of this podcast. And um, I've mentioned a certain movie tie into the Super Bowl. It might be related to that. You'll have to keep your eye on social media for that one. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Do share your thoughts on this episode. We'd love to hear what you think. Let us know who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. We'll be back very soon. But until then, bye for now.